Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on end. The Giants have won the pennant. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to Thompson to Clark, the second day of this new year. And Brad, I will say that the end of 2023 didn't go quite as well for the Giants as we wanted. <laughs> no. <laughs> but hopefully, no. hopefully 2024 brings us a little bit more goodness as it comes to the free agency period. So what are we going to talk about today? Because people are going to be like, what's going on? Nothing's going on. Well, there's there's a little bit of stuff going on. We still haven't really had a chance to talk about the uh, Yamamoto to the Dodgers deal. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about some of the other free agents that are still lurking. They're still out there. And I will have a question for you to end this show about 2024, which we will save for the end of this show. Excellent. But why don't we kick it off with the Yamamoto to the Dodgers deal? 12 years, $325 million dollars. And we have a we when we talked about the Otani thing, we we basically said, look, we're bitter, we're mad, we're frustrated, and here's why. And we put that clip out, and so many Dodger fans are mad at us for being <laughs> mad that the Dodgers got Otani. Should we be happy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, all the excuses that I'm fighting. Come I'm 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 in, I'm in flame wars with people in our chat. <laughs> That's it's actually not that bad. No, uh, it's fine. It's it's, all a, right. it's a lot of Dodgers fans puffing out their chest, which they should absolutely do. Oh, but yeah. th- this next deal, the the Yamamoto deal is really interesting, and. If you look at it from the perspective of what do teams generally do when it comes to these smaller pitchers who are maybe not they they don't have the resume that would suggest that they would get a lot of this money and I and you know we talked about this when we were talking about the Giants possibly signing him. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh when the NBA in the early 90s I'd say I'd say closer to the mid nineties. They did not have a cap on rookie deals. So in 1993, 94, uh, Glenn, big dog Robinson gets drafted with the number one pick by the Milwaukee bucks. And he immediately becomes like the highest paid player in the NBA. And it's kind of like that in that Yamamoto, obviously in Japan was a stud in, you know, he, he fared well in the world baseball classic and now the dodgers are basically paying on potential versus on what he's actually done on the major league baseball field which is a little bit different in how baseball teams put their teams together so i wanted to ask you one specific question and then we can just riff off of that which is 
now in hindsight that the Giants did not get Yamamoto, are you frustrated? Are you okay with it? Are you kind of like wait and see? Because I'm in the I'm in the wait and see category. I'm like, man, they put their money where their mouth was, 12 for 325. The Giants didn't have to do that because he picked the Dodgers. And now you're there's no worry on the Giants end of like, what if this guy's not actually as good as advertised? Where do you sit with Yamamoto to the Dodgers? You know, it, it's funny. I mean, you might as well just put the title on this one. Bitter Giants <laughs> Part 2. Um, because my view right away was, oh, okay. I see. I see. He doesn't want to create his own legacy. He wants mm-hmm. to ride the coattails. He wants to jump on the team that's already built for success, even though they haven't won a, a legit championship in like 35 years. But he, you know, wanted to go, hey, Shohei's here. I know the presser. And he said, yeah, I, I, I probably would have come here anyways. Again, without Shohei, they're still a stacked team. Um so yeah, he wanted to go somewhere. I think where where he didn't have to create a legacy, uh, and that's why I respect Judge a lot more because Judge was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just trying to get more money, but I want to create. I want to continue to create my legacy in New York. I want to stay with the Yankees. I want to build off of that. Um, same with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper goes to Philly. Philly hadn't won anything yet, but yeah. he wanted to start something. He wanted to kind of build something. Uh, he wanted to hopefully be the centerpiece. Um, but you know, a little tongue in cheek, but yeah, I think, I think Yamamoto, he didn't, he didn't want the, he didn't want the fire, man. He didn't want to uh, be one of the pillars to begin uh, a quest for possibly multiple championships. So uh, what do you do? You, you, you choose the Dodgers cause you want to just go win. You want to win some, some championships, uh, but you don't want to have to have that pressure on you to be that guy. Um, so maybe he's not a maybe he's not a pressure guy. He's going to pitch what every sixth day, maybe yeah, um, sixth or seventh day. Because again, small guy and uh, hundred and what what's his max innings uh, in Japan? Was it like hundred and fifty? I think something around. Yeah, I, I don't know because that's just normal for Japan, right? They 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 have yeah, six, exactly. six man rotations, or they only pitch they don't pitch as often as they do in in the U.S. So yeah. no, so, so it's a great it's a great observation. Here's another observation, which is interesting to me because, uh, you know, I, we don't follow Japanese baseball all that closely, but I've been right. listening to a podcast that I think I mentioned here uh, before. Tim Kawakami and Dylan Hernandez do a podcast called North and South. And basically it's it's about the Bay Area and about SoCal and, and all the teams. And Dylan Hernandez, the thing about Dylan Hernandez is, he can he actually speaks Japanese. Like I don't know his background. I you know, I'm I am looking forward to hearing more about his background as they get, you know, do more shows. But he's able to speak Japanese. And when Otani came to the Angels, like he was kind of the guy because he spoke Japanese, he understood the culture a little bit better. Uh, Tim himself is also Japanese. And so I, I you know, I've learned so much about Otani. I've learned so much about Yamamoto, just the culture. And what Hernandez said is in Japan, the hierarchy is sort of created for you. Like, as a younger player, you just kind of have to fall in line. And, you know, the older players uh, are, I guess, in charge or, or whatever you want to call it. And so the thought was like, 
you know, maybe Yamamoto is just comfortable kind of what you said, you know, falling in line a little bit because knowing that this is Otani's team, knowing that it is not his team, and if there is a failure in the playoffs, that blame is going to go to the front office as well as Otani shouldering the blame. You know what else that Dylan Hernandez said about the Dodgers clubhouse in their locker room is he said their team is sort of based if you were to think of, you know, you think of glue and glue guys and togetherness and, you know, that 2010 band of misfits and these crazy <laughs> personalities just kind of meshed together. He said that the Dodgers clubhouse is way more like 28 independent contractors exactly. than it is like a cohesive locker room. And so hired, hired guns. So Otani comes into this situation where he he's the man now. Obviously, he's the man. And then you go, well, what about Mookie Betts? And what about Freddie Freeman? And what about uh, Walker Bueller? And who knows about Kershaw, right? If Kershaw comes back, he probably does have a lot of stature there. And Dylan Hernandez is just like, they all just go their separate, their separate ways. They're just independent contractors. They're not like, you know, they're not playing poker at each other's house like all night long and stuff so it it is an interesting dynamic in what you're saying in you're putting together pieces that are like you're 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 essentially putting together an all-star team and you know i've talked about my buddy before on the show who's a diehard dodger fan and he you know we go back and forth with giants dodger stuff and i told him i said look you know i said this last year i thought that dodgers lineup was maybe the greatest one through nine that i'd ever seen on a team ever and he's like, oh, we couldn't have been better than like those 2000 Yankees and, you know, 62 Yankees. Like, OK, yeah. You know, when the, when there's only 20 teams in a league, I get it. But now <laughs> but now, you know, they have put together an insane lineup. Like, who do you pitch to? And so when you do that, the pressure is even bigger to get it done. And if you can't get it done, then it just gets even bigger and bigger and bigger. So. You know, they are, I think there's going to be a giant bullseye on them, obviously. They're going to win 105 games, unless something just completely goes wrong. But I could still see the Braves out scrapping them in the playoffs. I could still see the Philly out scrapping them. We saw the Diamondbacks out scrap them in a, in a short series. So they do have their work cut out for them, even though when you put talent for talent, there's no, probably no better roster in baseball right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But like you said, the cohesiveness, because again, when you think about, Oh, when you, when you think about that 2000 Yankees team, you kind of think of guys that were scrappers um, that were part of the clubhouse. You think of Scott Brocious, you think of, uh, Oh gosh. Who else? Uh, Charlie Hayes. Remember Charlie yeah, Hayes? Yeah, played Charlie Hayes. I guy. mean, you think about all these guys who were kind of bit players, but they were the heart and soul of the team. Um, and, you know, again, we're Giants fans. We're bitter and angry about this whole thing because, yeah. you know, we want these guys. Yeah. But uh, so, so of course, we're going to take your theory. We're going to take your Dodger theory. And we're going to poke holes in it is what we're going to do. So we're going to look at that Dodger team and say, cool, you got this awesome lineup. But do you have the cohesiveness? Do you have that that uh, that clubhouse chemistry that that is always talked about in baseball? I did listen to the same podcast, too. And as soon as Dylan Hernandez said that, as soon as he mentioned the fact that you have independent contractors, I thought, man, those are 
those are dirty words <laughs> when you're talking about a clubhouse. You never want to say you you never want to say independent. Uh, number one, that word right there, independent. When you're talking about a clubhouse, you're talking about we went through it with Barry Bonds. Barry yeah. Bonds was independent. He wasn't an independent contractor. He owned that team. Yeah, but he was the independent owner of that team, and you not, don't necessarily want that. And and as you saw, him and Jeff Kent got into it quite a few times, and especially uh, you know that one time in the dugout with the cameras going, hands um, around Jeff Kent's neck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was going <laughs> to choke him out, man. So that that's really not what you want, and you don't have that type of. At least I was feisty fieriness. You don't really have that. I don't see that with the Dodgers. But, uh, it, you know, again, it, it, they could go on and win the World Series the next three years in a row. And we're still, you and I, we're still going to poke holes in them. Oh, yeah. We're going to find those holes and we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. And then my guy Shelvin says Dodgers trying to make sure the little D-backs don't beat them up again. It's like, <laughs> look, man, those little D-backs yeah, are, about guys are the big, They're about to be the big D-backs. <laughs> they're 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 still building. They're making little moves here and there that are uh, like adding to that team, man. So not only are like everybody says, "Hey, the Giants, Giants fans, how are your team how is your team going to catch the Dodgers?" And I'm thinking, "Well, we got to catch the Dodgers." And the Diamondbacks, because oh, yeah. the Diamondbacks are building. I mean, at least we know we can go into Colorado and do some damage. So <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're going to be following this. The Giants are not going to be able to out-star power the Dodgers no. anytime soon. And we're not, you know, we don't wish harm on any of these guys, though, if Yamamoto had, like, atomic bunions on his <laughs> plant foot. Or something, you know, we're not going to be sad at that necessarily. Yeah, or ate a bad burrito. Yeah, like uh, uh, what did you you said like a uh, bloody hangnail or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. like you know, yeah. just something that you know bothers him. <laughs> not doesn't hurt them for long term. We're not going to be mad at that stuff. No, no. Okay, so let's talk about um, who the Giants could still possibly go go after. And I put Blake Snell on the the graphic to start this show because I think he's kind of the one that uh, people think is is possible now you know there's there's been a lot of talk about what he would bring to the table and and i think he's crossing like the the thousand innings mark or something and then somebody somebody on twitter mentioned that uh, baseball reference like kind of groups pitchers you know in, in in big segments and after if he gets once he gets to a thousand innings he he would have the highest walks per nine of of any guy that's like a, a thousand <laughs> innings or something now, there's some crazy stats yeah so i mean that is obviously the, that's not what we do as giants though no that's the thing we don't and, walk people so so that that you know that's going to be something that that the giants have have to think about um so let's actually look at some of these free agents who are left and i just want i'm, I'm going to ask you yes no maybe and we don't even have to dig too deep but if I was to say, are you, Brad Evans, in on X player? Yes, no, maybe. And we'll just go through a bunch of them. And I'll give you, I'll just give you a quick reason as to yeah, yeah, why yeah. I say you, yes. You, or, you, yeah, we yeah. could be quick on that. Because I can't, I can't just say yes or no without giving a reason. <laughs> I'm a dad. I can't just say <laughs> yes or no. I got to tell you why. I say. All right, and I'm using the CBS <laughs> Sports uh, free agent tracker. The top two free the top two free agents on this list uh have already uh been uh they've they've already been taken obviously Otani and Yamamoto 
Cody Bellinger is number three on their list. Yes, no, or maybe. Yes, uh, he would make the Giants immediately better. Again, you've got to, he's got to repeat what he did last year um, and build on that. But, but again, for the Scott Boris price, I don't know, but, but, but let's just take price out of the whole thing. And I'm going to say yes, because we could always use another stud outfielder who can roam Oracle Park and, uh, and hit bombs. We need bombs, especially left-handed bombs. He's also only 28, which exactly makes it a little bit more attractive. I think I'm on board at Parker. Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, number four on this list is Matt Chapman, third baseman. Yes, no, or maybe? Absolutely yes. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Matt Chapman, he can't hit. He can't, you know, he can hit. He can run into 20 home runs with a, without an issue. Um, and the main thing is he would shore up uh, a, a corner infield spot. Uh, you, if you can steal two runs uh, in a ball game um, and drive in one run, hey, uh, that's probably going to get you a win. So I'd say yes on Matt Chapman. So those two players combined, based on some of the numbers that are out there, you know, not not for as many years uh, as Yamamoto, but you know, for the overall number that you know, we're probably talking, you know, three hundred and fifty million for for those two players. All right, Aaron Nola, uh, he was uh, he was assigned by the Phillies. So number six on this list is none other than Blake Snell. I was, trust me, right after Yamamoto signing with the Dodgers, I was yes. But I think as time goes on, I'm more leaning towards no. And and again, when you do a deep dive into his numbers and you look at those walks, uh, you look at the two. Yeah, yeah. Don't let me, you know, let's not forget he did win two Cy Youngs. Okay. Both of those Cy Young seasons, he had an ERA plus of 217 and 182. Other than that, he's only hit an ERA plus of 127 at one time. Other and, and for the most part, he's been averaged the rest of the time. Overall, eight years his OP his ERA plus is 127. So you know, I can go without spending all of the money on on Blake Snell and piece another couple of starters together. Okay, so Eduardo Rodriguez signed with the uh, said uh, Diamondbacks. Huge. I mean, that's a huge signing for them, I think. Uh, And then that would leave Marcus Stroman next. 32 years old, right-handed pitcher uh, from the Cubs. Yes, no, or maybe? I would go maybe on that one because Jordan Montgomery is still out there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I would go with Jordan Montgomery before I went with Marcus Stroman. And and then if we did go with Jordan Montgomery and let's say we did go um, Imanaga, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. If we did also get Imanaga, 
Then I would say Stroman on a one-year reclamation project, two years maybe. Uh, but I don't feel comfortable going Stroman for like a four or five-year deal, which is I, what I know he's kind of seeking. Um, so, so in that case, I'd say maybe depending on who else we got in, in front of him. Okay, so you're maybe on Stroman, and theoretically, like yeah. you know, there's not a good chance. I I don't know how good of a chance it is that the Giants get Chapman and Bellinger. I can't imagine they would get both of them. You know, you know, maybe they they do get lucky, or maybe they overpay and get both of them. But you know, you could get one of those two players, and then a starting pitcher, even if it isn't Snell. And so you would rather go something like Stroman and Chapman over over just getting Snell. Yeah, I would. I'd rather spend the money there because um, I just don't – I like Snell, but again, so many walks, not pitching so many innings. At that point, I'd rather bring up one of our young pitchers uh, from the minors and, and give them a shot at uh, – you're not going to replace a Cy Young award winner. Yeah. Uh, but but I would rather see somebody else pay that money, especially if it's big money to Blake Snell. You want to give him a three-year deal, uh, 20 a year for three years, 20, 25 a year for three years. I'm okay with that, but I, I just don't want to get tied into a long Blake Snell contract. The one caveat that the Giants do have is if Blake Snell is your number two behind Logan Webb, Logan Webb is kind of the opposite in that he goes into the seventh and the eighth inning. And so you would offset your bullpen if you did sure. position them in that way. Cause you know, more than likely Logan is going to, you know, save your bullpen a little bit. And then if you do need the bullpen, then you have Blake Snell coming right after him and, and you got some arms available. So there is, there are ways to piece that together and the giants, I think the Giants believe in their bullpen. I think they they believe in the way that they use their arms. So that could also right. be a benefit. And, that, that, and let's say that the Snell market isn't as hot for him as he had hoped. You know, the Giants could be in there to come down a little bit and say, hey, like, we know how to utilize guys like this. Like, we utilized an opener, uh, you know, every Two out of every five starts, it seemed like. So we understand how to use our bullpen. Now, you don't want to have to do that a lot. They, I mean, they killed the bullpen by doing it so much last year. But, you know, I, I, could visual, I could visualize Blake Snell fitting just because they are pretty smart in the way that they use their bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't want – I yeah. What do you think about Josh Hader? Because speaking of the bullpen, shoring up the bullpen – Giants have the money. Uh, you'd have a, another left-hander in the bullpen. Um, but but again, you're going to have to play, pay him closer money, and, and the Giants have a closer. W would the Giants be adept at having a two-headed closer? Where where do you fit Taylor Rogers in that if Hater still, still set up, man. I mean, because if you're talking, and again, you could see Taylor Rogers, you know, in the seventh inning. You could see him in the sixth inning, um, especially if the Giants have guys like Blake Snell who can't go that deep. 
um, and and you're getting to the left-handed portion of the lineup and you don't want to bring Josh Hader in in the sixth or seventh innings so you have Taylor Rogers. Um, you know, I actually I, know. Did, I actually did that in out of the park baseball. Did you? <laughs> I signed Hader and I had him be the uh the either the lefty closer or the eighth inning man to Doval. And I ended up trading Doval because Hader was just so lights out. Just so and, and that's and that's part of the problem too, is you have a you have a guy in Doval who doesn't cost you anything to be your closer right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so to bring in a guy like Hader, it just, you know, it wouldn't make sense. It's, you know, again, in a video game, it makes absolutely yeah. perfect sense because then you're not dealing with feelings. But if you bring in Hader, he's going to expect to be the closer and you already have a closer. So All right, I'll go through a few more here. So Gilito signed with the Red Sox. He was the number nine on this list and Jordan Montgomery. So the, the guy who was, uh, you know, one of the one of the stars of the World Series for the Rangers. Left-handed pitcher, he's 31 years old. He He's not going to break the bank, probably like a Blake Snell is, and, and maybe in the immediate future for the next couple of years might be comparable, maybe even better the way that the Giants play baseball. Uh, but Jordan, what do you think about Jordan Montgomery? I would like... Jordan Montgomery in in terms of the fact that he does not walk a lot of people, his walks per nine lifetime, 2.5. I mean, that's low. That's a, that's a giant's number. Um, His K's per nine are 8.4 for his career. Uh, Lately, he's been closer to eight, 7.5. I think he's a guy that can also keep the ball in the ballpark. Uh, last year he gave up, let's see, 18 home runs and 188 innings. So that's a fairly lowish number. It's under 20 for almost a full season on the mound. Uh, he's an innings eater. Um, I, I like him. I, I honestly, I, again, if we're going to be getting someone like Stroman, um, and not a Blake Snell, I'd like Jordan, uh, Montgomery first, and then possibly, uh, Marcus Stroman kind of round things out, but again, more on like a one or a two year deal, but Jordan Montgomery, 31 years old, he's not going to turn 32 until the end of, as a matter of fact, he just turned 31, uh, like five days ago. Um, so he'll be 31 the entire season, you know, four year deal or so kind of lock him into San Francisco for a few years. Um, but he also got a taste of a, a championship. And anytime you get a taste of a championship, uh, you may kind of want to stick around uh, closer to teams who are, are, are near uh, getting more rings. But, uh, but yeah, I would like Jordan Montgomery on our team. The one thing that the Giants advantage for, for pitching is just that park. Mm-hmm. And he probably uh, will, would fare decently at home because he he makes he makes him put the put the put the ball in play. He doesn't walk mm-hmm. guys. You know he's he's not he's not even really mid nineties with, with anything at this point. So uh, you know then you get into the defensive aspect, and the Giants would have to shore up that defense behind him if if that was the goal. And that's the kind of the same as Stroman, right? It's it's very yeah. similar to Stroman. And you know Stroman is a you know Stroman is Logan Webb 
ish in, in that in that sense too. So if they did sign him, he'd he'd be very similar to a similar style pitcher to who who they already have as their ace. All right, uh, Kevin Kermeyer signed with the Blue Jays. Uh, Sonny Gray signed with the Cardinals. Let's do uh, let's do a couple of more here. Reese Hoskins, who supposedly is a Giants fan, uh, he's a right-handed bat, first baseman, DH. Kind of fits a uh, the mold of the guys that the Giants were kind of bringing in last year, which I think works against him with the current fan base. You know, do you want to bring in uh, you know these kind these guys who may not fare well in, in the bigger ballpark? You know, so I don't know. I don't know about Reese, but I, I like it that he's a Giants fan. I like it that he's, yeah, you know, that he's on. Uh, he he knows the the history of the team and such. Yeah, he's uh, again, like you said. You you know, we just kind of got rid of uh, Jock Peterson type of guy. We we already have a couple other Reese Hoskin types, um, in JD Davis and and Wilmer Flores. Uh, you know, Reese Hoskins can hit. I mean, he's a thirty home run guy. Um, but again, you've got Lamont Wade Jr. At first base, do you, uh, you know, unseat him for Reese Hoskins? Um, if you have a spot as a DH, I think he'd be fantastic. Uh, career 240 hitter, but again, got that just nasty power. He can walk, too. That's the other thing about him. He did have 72 walks last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you're in a lineup like that, too, um, it, it is kind of – you run into a lot of situations where your pitchers are, are, are trying to work around certain guys to get to other guys. But, uh, you know, Reese Hoskins right-handed power. I, I mean, the giants would have to make some trades, I think in order to free up a spot for a Reese Hoskins, um, again, sign Chapman trade JD Davis sign Hoskins. Then you've got a right-handed DH, um, you know, a lot of things would have to happen. And I think a lot of teams are in the situation the Giants are in right now. And that's why the, this thing is just not picking up. What are we like seven weeks away, six weeks away <laughs> from spring training here? And we still have some of the biggest names on the board. And, and everybody thought as soon as Shohei signs, here it goes. We're going to start going. Nope, nope. We got to wait for Yamamoto. As soon as Yamamoto signs, it's going to start going. Things are just kind of stagnant right now. Um but there's also a lot of money to be had because when you're talking about Boris trying to work that Bellinger contract and, and uh, Boris is also Chapman's agent, right? I think so. So you've got, I mean, so, you know, of course, trying to maximize the money. So things are just kind of moving really, really slow right now. But I think if the Giants can make some trades and, and free up some space, then yeah, a guy like Hoskins, I would like him on our team. All right. Last one. For now, this would be maybe a little bit of like getting back at the Dodgers a little bit. Clayton Kershaw <laughs> at 35 years old, made 24 starts last year, 131 innings was was his baseball card back at the baseball card numbers are good. If you dig in a little bit more. Not as great, like he gave up the ha- uh, highest uh, hard hit percentage of, of his career last year, and it was by uh, a decent amount. But again, doesn't walk a lot of guys. 
strikes out a decent amount. You know, the fastball's down to, to low, low 90s at this point. But it would be, you know, the Giants at one point, they, they brought Oral Hershiser in for uh, like yeah, a year I was or two. Say. <laughs> I saw him uh, pitch his debut. I don't know if it was his debut with the Giants, but it was his candlestick debut with mm. the Giants. Uh, opening day and man, I don't remember <laughs> what year that was now. Yeah, it but, had to uh, be like uh, maybe mid-90s, like 95 or something. It's possible. Yeah, right around there. I'd have to take a look, but um yeah, I you know what again, I think if the Giants were more I think if the Giants had more young starters in their rotation. I mean, you got Kyle Harrison, Logan Webb is kind of getting to be veteran status. You've got Disco who's been around a while. You got Cobb who's been around well, around a while cuz I was going to say I was going to say yes on Kershaw if we needed that veteran presence to show these guys how to prepare for a long season in the major leagues. And so that's what I, that's what I was thinking was, yeah. Do you bring him in for a year and tell Kyle Harrison, just follow this dude around everywhere he goes. Just soak up. Is is that a slap in the face to Logan Webb though? I don't think so. Because if Kyle Harrison is going to be who he, uh, you know, if he's going to develop, like that is a great mentor, right? The yeah, way absolutely. that the way that Kershaw pitches, or the way that Kershaw used to pitch with the power stuff, and now has had to adjust as the, the fastball has gone. Like that'd be a great mentor, and you could still yeah. get that from Logan. Look, Kershaw could probably, you know, teach not teach, but he could probably help Logan out with a couple things here and there, right? Because he, oh, absolutely, you know, he ha- he has had a Hall of Fame career. So in that sense. I think it'd be awesome. But in the other sense of, um, you know, maybe the area that, that we live in versus, you know, what, what Christmas had to live in California, you know, just politically, it would seem to be maybe not the best fit based on what we saw last year with the, the issue with that, that one night that they were planning in Dodger stadium. Um, so, uh, you know, w- without thinking of politics and, and the areas and stuff, I kind of like the fit as like a fifth guy and somebody who, you know, you don't depend on to go out there every, every uh, fifth day, you kind of depend on him to be, you know, he's, he's throwing 25 starts a year and then you're filling in with Keaton Wynn and, and guys like that. And uh, yeah. See, see now if Wynn was in the, it was in the starting rotation and, and Harrison and Logan Webb, and then you had some of the other younger guys too. Th- then I would say, yeah, okay, you need him in there. Him and Bob Melvin, um, Matt Williams, all of, all of these old vets that kind of kind of show these guys the ropes. But yeah, I don't know. That would be a tough one because especially with with Kershaw and Harrison being lefties, I mean, he could really really learn a lot from him. Uh, but but I think I think obviously Kershaw's leaning towards. Texas is the last thing I heard. Um, he should lean know. towards the Dodgers, man. Like, I just know. finish it out and try and get that that last World Series. But, to, I mean, you know, to go back to Texas. Well, the Dodgers signed Yamamoto. They they basically told Kershaw, we don't need you anymore, man. Well, but that will be better for him, right? <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. If they are going to go to a, a six-man six rotation, that probably fits better for Kershaw than anything yeah. else because of just the wear and tear in the arm. Yeah. You got uh, him 20 starts. There you go. 
All right. So before we get to our uh, our drink uh, of the of the show, you know, Shelvin being in, in our chat earlier reminded me because he's a big 49ers fan and our teams play each other this weekend to end yeah. the regular season. It's going to be a the, weird game, though. <laughs> yeah, the Niners don't need to win. They've clinched the first uh, seed in, in the NFC. And what is the status with what you guys need to do? So so the Rams have locked up a playoff spot. They're in the playoffs. They're in the sixth seed at the moment. I think if Green Bay wins this weekend, then Green Bay gets that final spot. Or if Green Bay and Seattle win, I think Seattle. So the Rams have the tiebreaker over Seattle. They do not have the tiebreaker over Green Bay. So the, so the Rams are either going to finish sixth or seventh. Um, and they've already elevated four players from the practice squad. So that should tell you right there, their (laughs) plan for the weekend, their plan for, they elevated a quarterback from the practice squad. So that more than likely means Carson Wentz is probably going to play the majority of the game. Interesting. Um, And Stafford's going to kind of rest a little bit. So, um, I mean, you know, the Rams are kind of beat up right now too, and they're kind of sneaking into the playoffs, but they've been playing good football and they've been playing the, the thing is they've been playing physical football, very physical pounding running football. Uh, so I think getting them that like kind of a week of rest is going to help them quite a bit, but it's a big difference. If you have that seven seed, if we have that seven seed, we go to Dallas where Dallas is dominant at home. Uh, and they beat us by 23 earlier in the season. But again, that's the game that Stafford got hurt, like in the first quarter and the, and the game just went downhill um, versus, which is what all the Rams fans want. Detroit, the six seed going to Detroit McVay versus Goff. And that would be, yes. Yeah, St- Stafford goes to Stafford the franchise home. that he played yeah. for the beginning of his career. That that would be quite interesting. Yeah, so like, that would be I, a lot of fun. But I like the Dallas matchup too because I think you guys would fare well in that matchup. Dallas, this Dallas time is, around, yeah. Dallas is very talented. Mm-hmm. They're also a little front runnery in, in the way that they play. So I I would be I would be pretty fired up if you guys actually went into Dallas and beat Dallas. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm interested in, in the Detroit play as well. I think you guys have a good, you know, Dallas is going to be favored by seven points or so, yeah, no matter sure. what. Uh, but I still think it'd be a, a very entertaining game. Yeah. So, so you know, our teams are going to play. That's probably not going to mean anything. It'll probably look like a preseason game. So, <laughs> now is that that's what's going on with the Niners too? Because I know, I can't, yeah, I can't McCaffrey's imagine not going to play. I can't imagine they're going to, I mean, they may want to suit up folks just for preparation and to, you know, to prepare like you're going to play and you go out there and play a series and then you're done. But I, I can't imagine they're going to really put too many people in harm's way. And, uh, but again, like you have these small rosters in the NFL and you could really hurt your depth by playing yeah. some of these guys like the full game, you know, in a, in a kind of a meaningless game. Well, if Carson Wentz goes out there and he gets hurt, uh, then all of a sudden Stafford really doesn't have that backup anymore. So, yeah, like you said, the depth. I mean, so there's a lot of things. I just want to see 
you know, fun competitive game this weekend. I probably won't be like I I don't think I sat down <laughs> in the game against the Giants this weekend. Because that was for it. I mean, that was that was to get into the playoffs. We needed yeah. that game. And then right afterwards, uh the Steelers took it to the Seahawks and that was fantastic. So that yeah. allows us to kind of hop in there. All right. Before I ask you the question to kick off 2024, let's talk about our drink of choice tonight. I'll go first because I don't know if anybody can see my my sweatshirt here, but I am wearing a uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, nice! Uh, rock uh, branded Under Armour uh, hoodie, and the reason why I'm doing that is because yesterday on uh, Monday Night Raw, they wheeled out old 51 year old Dwayne. <laughs> That guy's not 51, man. He looks like he's 20. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks like he's going to have a match at WrestleMania this year. So at 51, as jacked as as ever, the most jacked 51-year-old guy you'll ever see. And and so I'm I'm trying to catch up to him, man. (laughs) I have my (laughs) rock uh, sweatshirt, and I also have my Terramana to kick nice. off the new year. So this year, I uh, I remember last year I was talking about on this show how it was going to be the year of the old-fashioned. Like I was just going to have an – if I went to a restaurant and they had a bar, I was just going to have an old-fashioned. And so I went through all of 2023. It was old-fashioned, old-fashioned, old-fashioned. I was like, what am I going to do for 2024? <laughs> and it's Manhattan. I think I'm going Manhattan for there 2024. So both bourbon drinks – so you know they're there's they're they're both very tasty as well so uh i'm going manhattan had uh, had one at uh, crystal and i went to lunch the other day i had one and then we went to dinner with the family on new year's eve and i had one so already got already got two in but that's gonna that's what i'm gonna do for 2024 is the manhattan I do like the Manhattans. I have the stuff to make it here. Uh, the sweet vermouth is a, I got to, I got to see if I can do a variation of a Manhattan because I would have two Manhattans mm-hmm. in a night. No problem. But the problem is the sweet vermouth, the sugar in that gets me like yeah. just after one drink, it's like, boom, there it is. Um, tonight I went, I'm ringing in mm. the new year with a little wild Turkey one one. Mm. There you the, go. 50.5% uh, bourbon, poured a two-ouncer. Uh, I did get a Rams for Christmas. I got a Rams uh, bourbon tumbler, but I didn't f- – I didn't – yeah, see, I, I, I didn't know if it was going to be appropriate. Yeah. And now yeah. next week I'll, I'll, t- I'll bust it out even though – I don't know how the heck this game. Now, let's say if if both teams were at full force and both teams were fighting for something, I wouldn't feel good about this weekend. I'll tell well, you. I will say that when the 49ers went into L.A. in week two, that was more tough of a game than I think that you know, the Niners fans realized was, was going to be. So, you know, very early on when everyone was saying the Rams are terrible, the Rams are terrible. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. They played the Niners pretty well. And the Niners (laughs) supposed to be good. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the, I think that it's the Shanahan versus McVay thing where that's the problem, you know, but McVay, 
did beat Shanahan in the one matchup that counted. So that's kind of what the Niners are hanging their hats on. It's like, yeah, we can beat the Rams in regular season, but you know, that, that NFC championship game was, uh, was the one that, that McVay did, did win out on. So, and that, and that's why, so then that's why I say that because this is a regular season game. Now in the playoffs, if we meet in the playoffs, I will have more confidence because playoff McVeigh is a different McVeigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team, I don't, I don't know what it is he does to get that that team ready every year in the playoffs, but it is fun to watch them in the playoffs because they they do some different things. All of a sudden, you go, oh, this is our offense now this mm-hmm. week, and then going forward, that's your offense. Belichick took it to him in the Super Bowl uh, the first time uh, McVeigh got there, but then after that, it it just kind of seemed like McVeigh turned up the dial whenever they got to the playoffs so so it'll be fun yeah no and uh and yeah I, I like seeing the rams in there i like seeing the nfc west represented because you know sometimes if you especially if you have a good team and the division sucks you're like okay are we really good we just won all these games against these bad teams in our division yeah but you know the seahawks were average and i think the rams Record-wise, the Rams are uh, are a little bit better than, than average, but I still think that you know when when we when I look back at some of these games, like that that was one of the tougher games that the Niners had the uh, that True. they did that they didn't lose, you know, because they've lost some games to to tough teams like that. Baltimore team is ridiculous, and that's oh yeah, I'm, and that's a team that the Rams went into Baltimore and took them into overtime. So yeah. I mean, that's you know, there's it, it's it's the NFL, man. Any given Sunday. All right, last question before we uh, end this show. 20, this is more of a fill in the blank. For the Giants, 2024 will be the year of the blank. Hmm. That is a tough one because we have a new identity with Bob Melvin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm also going to throw in new identity with Matt Williams because he brings a lot to the table. Um, 2024, and we're talking specifically just the Giants, not baseball in general. Right, right, just the Giants. I want to say 2024 will be the year of the running Giants, but we still don't have anybody <laughs> other than Jung Hu Lee and Tyro Estrada who can tear up the base pass. So I'm going to say 2024 will be the year of dominant pitching. And, and, and because we kind of have to go that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Having Yamamoto would have been fantastic, but I still think the Giants can piece together with what they have, possibly a Jordan Montgomery. Um, again, Blake Snell, I don't necessarily want him, but I think he can help um, in a limited capacity. I just don't want to see a lot of him. Um you know, Strowman, you know, I know you talked about him already, but being a sinker baller, he will fare well, fare better in, in Oracle than true. Some, some of those guys, just because so Jordan style. Montgomery and Marcus Strowman bring them together. Right. Well, so I, I'm, I'm leaning towards what you were basically saying. I was going to say one of two, I was going to say 2024 is going to be the year of the uh, complete game. 
because I go. think Logan Webb, uh, he, I think he he wants to finish. Like he thinks he could finish pretty much every game. And it's really just about limiting some of those pitches in, you know, in certain innings to kind of cut the, down the a first bit. inning. Yeah. Really? I mean, when you watch him, it's the first inning and I'm going to put the over under on complete games when we do our, predictions. No, when we do our predictions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it was going to be either the year, of the complete game, or I was going to say the year of the uh, starting staff going deeper into games because last year, was the year of the opener, which sucked. Like, we didn't like it. No, it was, nobody wants that. It, it was boring. It was not fun to see, you know, some guy come in and pitch for an inning. You wanted to see a guy take the ball and go like, you know, I'm giving you six and, and yeah. let's go. That's how baseball sort of is meant to be played. So, yeah. uh, you know, the year the starting staff going going into innings or – the year of uh, of the complete game, whatever whatever you shall choose, that that's what I'm going with. So we're kind of on the on the same page. All right. So yeah. uh, next week, hopefully, we'll get some more news about some signings. Uh, even yeah. if the Giants don't get some of these guys, I just want to see some action happen. Baseball. Oh Come yeah. On. They, I mean, they really have to do something to make these agents and these teams force force them to work together and get this stuff done. Like. Base, baseball should be a year-round sport. Like, why? Why is it? Yeah, like- it, it, it. I mean, can't I mean, can't there be a, a simple rule like uh, sixty days after you declare yourself a free agent, you have to sign with a team? Something, yeah. So, I don't know. You got to do something. But boy, yeah. So next week, I, I think we should be able to be back on our Monday schedule next week. Uh, but I, I, I don't yeah. see any issues with that. We, we did Tuesday because of the holiday. Last week, we didn't have a show because of the holiday. So we'll be back in our normal schedule. And yeah, you know, like you said, like it's kind of crazy. It's like spring training is not that far away. <laughs> I mean, we're right there. We're on the cusp. We are in 2024. The new uh, baseball season year has begun. And uh, there are eight. I mean, you, you read off the list, the top free agents. There are... Seventy uh, percent of them still sitting there waiting to sign with somebody. It's insane. Yeah. All right, thank you all for hanging out with us. For Brad, I am Double G. We will see you next week. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>